And uh, there's some very interesting questions here. So let's jump right to it. Pete, uh, first one for you. Uh, could you tell us some details about the refugee and the builder that you were involved with planting with recently? <laughs> yes. the, the, the builder happens to be this guy huh. uh, uh, who ran a, a, a building company uh, as, uh, before he kind of launched into to go into Toti and it was a long journey so that, that's my journey with uh, Tim uh, the refugees actually been a few so there's been a couple of them uh, in the city who uh, just through Miraculous kind of connections, coffees, discovering them, helping them. Uh, God suddenly just opened up some doors. We've hmm. stuck up a couple of tents, uh, gathered some communities, uh, got a church in the city that's uh, a Swahili community. Hmm. Uh, so the whole, the whole service is in, in Swahili. Hmm. Another community in the city that's a French community. Hmm. Again, there's a family, there's a community there that the gospel is being preached to and and, a, and a, a French church has arisen out of that particular community. Wow. So, you know, different, uh, around different people that God calls, really. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's those key relationships that I'd say almost happened by chance. You come across them, you hmm. have a connection. Some pastor tells you, hey, you need to see this guy. And then hmm. you meet him. And then a journey begins and apostolic hmm. adventure starts and, and, and a wow. church launches. Yeah, That's great. Well, it probably leads into the second question here, actually, Pete. This, uh, this one is, uh, practically, if I'm not a gifted speaker, how do I preach the gospel? I suppose they're taking on your... So, yeah, man, I, I feel that so often churches tend to put quite a few barriers in front of people. That mm. kind of stops and thinking, that's not me. So mm. I'm, not a, I'm mm. not a communicator. So therefore, mm. I, how am I ever going to make a contribution sure, to church planting? on a gospel adventure. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so I think uh, that's why I, I want to emphasize the incarnational idea. The gospel mm. is more than communicating it is also communicating but communicating is not just using my mouth mm. it's it's caring it's it's loving it's mm. it's um it's a life lived mm. in other words I, I say this often to churches people need to fall in love with you before they fall in love with jesus mm. and and through your life they discover christ mm. and and so often church uh, people generally i think the, the the best gift they can give to the world is is a happy Mm. joyful, full of life individual who, who lives out the gospel, then people start mm. finding that attractive. They fall in love with you, then they fall in love with Christ. Mm. So you, you're not saying they need to be gospel preachers as in the traditional no, sense. They you're need, saying no, they need to incarnate living. the gospel. Yeah. So the gospel is an incarnational idea in the yeah. scripture. Yeah. Just as we, were, uh, we incarnate the life of Christ when mm. we were created, mm. the idea is the gospel comes in and and gives life to us that was lost at the mm. fall, mm. and therefore we get to mm. incarnate the gospel mm. to the world through cool. life. Yeah, great yeah. answer. Tim, I think this is your one. Um, how do you prepare your family for church planting? Well, our kids were very young. Um, I think it was, we started the missional community and our son was just born. Um, but my wife was on board, so it when I felt stirred to go, it wasn't an immediate, uh, there was, it was a long journey, actually. We wrestled with it, and, and I waited for my wife to, said, to say that she has peace with it, she feels on board, because it's a together journey. Yeah. So for us, our kids kind of 
grew up into it. It's what they have known. I've got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. So, so what would you say to someone now who has a 10 and a 7-year-old and, and he felt, hmm. oh, I want to go on this gospel adventure to go plant a church? What would you say to get, your, to get that 10-year-old, that 11-year-old? Well, first of all, submit it to your local church elders. Hmm. Speak, to your, speak to your leaders uh, and make sure that you are not dragging people with you. You know, uh, you need to make sure that your, especially your wife, you and your wife mm. are on the same page. Because mm. if you convince them and then they go, uh, then later on it starts to catch up with you. So I would say that you need to pray together. You need to trust together. You need to submit it to leaders. Um, and if God has spoken and your wife says, hey, look, I'm not sure, but I'm willing to follow you. Then you need to be very intentional about caring for her and encouraging her and supporting mm. her. You don't neglect her. Yeah. And you know, the whole yeah. thing, you take care of your bride Christ will take care of his. Good. I think that's Good. important. Pete, you have a grown family. What do you say to that? Yeah, I think let the adventure start before the adventure starts. In other words, we often think church planning is the thing. So mm. that's the thing I've got to mm. convince my family to buy into. Mm. Actually, let that, them see the fruit and, yeah, they'll, and they'll love it. But that's a crazy idea. Mm. Rather start the adventure long before church planning becomes a thing on the agenda because mm. church planting is the result of something. It's mm. the end, the culmination of a gospel preaching adventure. Mm. So therefore, every family ought to be on an adventure mm. saying, what's God called us to do? Mm. One family that I engaged with said, we feel we have a call to, to go and help with an orphanage. And so they mobilized their kids, went on an orphanage kind of journey, helped pre a gospel preaching adventure. Mm. Mm. It transformed their family. Pete, when does the gospel preaching adventure become a church? I think every gospel preaching adventure potentially could become a church. Mm. It will not become a church, but it could. Mm. So the, the idea is that if I reach the community around me, the sphere that's around every individual, mm. which is a sphere of about 70-odd people, mm. you know, who would you invite to your 60th or yeah. 50th? Mm. That's about 60, 70 people. Well, that's your family. That's mm. the people that mm. are under your influence. The idea is that if I preach the gospel to them, out of that could come a community of believers, people mm. that believe mm. and are gathered to the gospel. Mm. Could that become a local church? Well, we've proved many, many times over in the city of Durban that, yes, that can become a church. Mm. Sometimes it needs other people involved to mm. push that into, mm. in other words, leadership, call people to mm. push that into a local church. But I think potentially every missional adventure could, has the seeds of the yes. potential of a yes. church. Got that. But would you... To I mean, we maybe, I'm not wanting to undo no, no. the origins of it and the motivation no. behind it, which you've done brilliantly tonight, but the gospel adventure becoming a church, are there some things where, where, it, where, that, where that takes place? You've just said something about leadership. What, so, what is yeah, that? absolutely. So I, I do think, the, and, and Tim alluded to it in his talk, the partnership with the apostolic. In mm. other words, it's not just you on your own little mm kind of mm. uh, thing mm. there's a journey with local church mm. leadership with apostolic mm. there's a strengthening of the capacity of that individual mm. what are we going to do and let us do it together sure and so it's not an alone thing so when the moment you marry the apostolic mm. into that environment mm. suddenly it catalyzes into something yeah. that can become a local church right. and that's part of the training that you alluded to mm. you're bringing mm. people on a mm. journey calling them, believing in them, mm. saying, I think you can do it. Let's do it together. Mm. Then a local church becomes a result. Right. Tim, how would you practically plant a church in these current COVID-19 realities? <laughs> wow. Um, I think that we've got to take 
make use of the social media spaces that we've got. We've got to connect with people. Uh, you know, that whole scripture, without vision, people perish. I think we need to cast vision to say that pe- if people know that you're going somewhere and that God has spoken, they're willing to go with you. So I would just engage with, with the people in your social media space, tell them what you're feeling, and um, trust God. Yeah. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of changes, as we know. Can, what is a rule today can be gone tomorrow. So we can form ourselves around some sort of particular structure, and then it changes. Mm. So I think it would just be cast vision, trust God, pray, uh, and connect with whoever you can, wherever you're going. Uh, Pete, you heard of any churches planted in lockdown? Uh, Helping a couple of churches plant now, Mm. in lockdown, and and the, the kind of encouragement that I have to them is to put yourself into the spaces of people. So I, I give an example. I was helping a young man plant a church in Copenhagen. Um, and before I went to his context, I went, I, I went into his suburb and just meandered around, mm. had coffee, mm. felt, you get a feel for a place. Mm. I wanted to have a feel so I could help him. Mm. So I'm in the space and I sat, Corin was busy shopping mm. and I was sitting outside having a cappuccino and three older gentlemen were sitting on a bench smoking mm. close to me. So I leaned across them and says, I said to them, I'm willing to bet you have coffee here a lot. <laughs> so they said, ah, oh, they are, and we are every day. So, so they, they hang out there every single day for coffee every morning. So I thought to myself, if I was a church planter here, guess where I'd be having coffee every mm. morning? Mm. It's those kind of connections that are mm. natural, normal. Mm. You develop friendships, connections, and take people on a gospel journey. You look for them, mm. and they're all around you. Yeah. Most of the time, we just miss them. Yeah. Peter, I'm sure you love this one. Can a woman plant a church? <laughs> I, I, I think rather than, rather than answer that question directly, I would say, of course, a woman can plant a church. Yes. Anyone can plant a church. Yes. Uh, and, and, but I, you know, we, can, we stay away from the leadership question. That's another question, yeah. another yeah. question. But, yeah, of course, a woman can plant a church. Okay, yeah. and then, Tim, we're almost back onto you here. But, uh, Pete, can't? Can't rabbit thinking, so I, I did hear you talk about rabbits, um, <laughs> can't rabbit thinking hurt people? Are you saying a, a simple understanding of the gospel keeps a plant safe? No, apostolic family keeps a, a church plant safe. And, and, and we can never divorce the idea that family is the core principle mm. within which the gospel adventure begins. It began mm. that way in the New Testament. Mm. It seems to be the idea that's inherent to the scriptures mm. within a tribe, within a family. God constantly speaks, speaks mm. to a man, mm. Abraham, family is born. So it's, it's never in isolation. It's mm. always in the context of an apostolic family and connection. Mm. And I think that's the safety. Mm. If we are lone ships flying out there, mm. I'm not saying we can't succeed, mm. but hey, I don't think it was ever meant to be a lone adventure. I mm. think it was in the context of mm. family. Yeah. So, uh, Pete, you painted a beautiful picture. So, I mean, mm. a proliferation of rabbits, uh, a great picture of people just getting on with the gospel and getting on with um, sharing their faith and, yeah. you know, uh, but when, when those turn into, uh, you, know, co- you know, cohesive groups of people, you're saying within family, within apostolic family, within church family, um, 
and that's not to constrain it. No. It's to see more rabbits sent out. Absolutely. But it's, but it's, that's, what, that's what keeps so, it safe. So I, I think everybody's called. So you see, I, I have this sense. I'm not saying everybody will lead a church. Mm. But everybody is called to be on a gospel preaching adventure with their life. Mm. That's the mandate to the whole church. Mm. And I think because we've made it into specialists, evangelists are mm. the people that do that, or mm. certain gifts are people mm. that do that. I think we've limited the capacity of the church to preach mm. the gospel. So it's cool. everyone. Cool. But how the apostolic connects sees. So, so part of, I think, your role would be to look out over mm. the rabbit making <laughs> and say, ah, I can see God doing something there. Ah, I think it's wonderful. And you engage with the something that you see God is doing. Yeah. And apostolically, you give life to it, give yeah. credence to it, yeah. give authority to it, yeah. and it becomes something. Mm. So it's not that everything becomes a local church, but mm. everybody is on the adventure. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Tim, this should fall between you and me, but you brought up this concern, so you can feel this one. Uh, how do you develop the character of someone who is extremely gifted, but not solid in their character? So in other words, the guys you were talking about up front, that arrive at your church, want a platform, want a gift, want a ministry. So they're saying, I mean, there's a, implicit in this question is, you're not just going to chuck them on the trash heap. They're saying, how do you develop character in someone who's extremely gifted but not solid in their character? I'd love to say there's an easier way, but a lot of time characters develop through testing. And, and it's when people, I've, I've said this before in church planters, when people feel overlooked or excluded, it'll either set them up or trip them up. So when people go through a season of knowing that they've got a gift, but they feel it's their gift that qualifies them, and I would just draw close, encourage them, and try and intentionally work into those areas. Mm. I'm not maybe an expert in those things. I feel like in those areas I've grown because you need to be, you need to be quite direct. You need to be... Mm. Um, you can't beat around the bush. You need mm. to tell people what they need to mm. deal with. Mm. Uh, and once you've got that bridge, mm. once they trust you and they realize that you genuinely care for their future, mm. then they will listen. Yeah. Uh, I think that we've got to build a bridge. We've got to be direct. Uh, and we've got to believe in them. Cool. Trust that God will turn that around. It's Pete, not easy. Your, your thoughts on guys who are clearly disqualified from ministry, how do you, how do you help them on their journey? The, uh, I'm, I'm a massive believer in, in, in seeing something in people and, like you said, calling mm. it out of them. Mm. And, and I think often what happens is some people get on a wrong kind of journey mm. because they, they are shaping themselves on what they think other people want mm. from them. Mm. And, and what I've discovered is that if you want something out of someone that probably they're not seeing themselves, they're just seeing all the the negative side of it. Mm. And so you're, you know, they're giving expression to all mm. The, mm. the weird stuff. Mm. Is tr start calling out of them the thing that you think is really the genius in them, the mm. thing that's really hidden in them. Mm. And you begin to see them actually rising up. It's, mm. it's, it's the dot on the paper, isn't it? You know, mm. when, you, when people are so focused on the thing that's wrong and you want to keep adjusting the guy, mm. all he ever sees is the dot. But if you actually begin to see the other stuff, mm. the strengths, the, the things that are valuable to the community, suddenly the dot disappears. Mm. It, it, it fades into insignificance. So I'm a big believer in yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. For, so the one guy is saying, uh, don't rush him and don't, don't pander to his tantrums and put him in a position of authority when he shouldn't be there. But at the same time, we're hearing Pete say, breathe on his strengths, encourage him. So don't pander to him, but, mm. but yeah. love him. I heard you share your testimony uh, maybe five years ago 
when you first walked into a church Pete was leading, uh, and I think it was like maybe the first time he spoke to you. What did, what did he say to you? I, I arrived at the church. We were pretty broken at Why? the time. Why were you broken? Because we had been involved in a previous church where the guy was incredibly controlling. Uh, and and uh, it's a bad church experience. A bad church experience. So, so planting a church wasn't number one on your agenda. No, 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 no. And I, you, I, you I were felt called before that. I'd been to Bible college, and I'd, and then all of a sudden, my eyes were open to, you know, pain, pain, <laughs> and and church and politics and all the stuff that I don't like. <laughs> and I went to City Hill, and I went to Peter, and I, I was I was very. Reluctant. I thought I have to go to church because I feel convicted to, but at the same time, I've seen how dark this can get. And I went up to Peter and I said, Hey, look, I'm here to tell you that I'm here because you're probably going to get a call warning you about me anyway. Um, it was like that. And I remember Peter looked at me. Didn't know you. He didn't know me from a bar of soap. I just walked in. He was sitting on the stage. He had just preached. And I said to Peter, This is where I'm at. I'm a broken mess. I'm saying who I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm here. And he looked at me, and he said, you are going to plant out of this church. Hmm. And, and I remember the first thing I thought was, he doesn't listen. He, actually, he, he clearly he doesn't. He actually fell apart. Uh, I was <laughs> like, you, you, don't, you clearly <laughs> didn't hear what I just told you. Hmm. Uh, I think it was six months later, yeah. I was asked to preach. Six months. I mean, and then I was told, oh, you're the flavor of the month, the new guy, get asked to preach. But, uh, you know, and I thought to myself, Lord, I'm just going to be, Peter saw something in me that I had stopped seeing in myself, and he drew it out of, out of me. And, um, and when you've got someone that believes in you, and someone that trusts you, and someone that gives you opportunities, you can flourish. But, but go back to that first moment. When he was Pete. walking, yes. what so, did you see? So Tim was walking down the aisle. Yeah. I was sitting on the edge, as I always do, on the edge of the stage, yeah. and just kind of hanging out a little bit, just chatting to people. And as he was walking towards me, the Holy Sorry, Spirit, there's a good, good idea if you're six foot eight. To sit, and you can look at people. It's much more encouraging. They have to look at so, his belly button. Yeah. So anyway, he's walking towards me, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, you'll plant a church with this man one day. And you so, didn't know what he was coming to tell you? Not at all. No idea. No clue. So then he comes, introduces himself and his wife to me, and he gives me a little bit of a story. And I, and I said, look, I don't know why I need to say this to you, but you and I are going to plant a church together one day. I'm going I'm to help you. And, and, and what he didn't tell you is that that was a bit of a break moment that, I mean, it was a bit of a, you know, an emotional moment because mm. having been broken out of where he was, he said, well, you know, my, mm. my shot is gone. My, mm. my moment of leadership is over. But in mm. that moment, God, not me, mm. said, no, I haven't forgotten about you. I've got a plan for you. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that's an incredible yeah. idea that God always has a plan. Yeah. It's amazing. If you look through scripture, I mean, you, we know this way Moses messed it up. Yeah. We know the way that David messed it up. We know the way that Peter messed it up. He seems to have a habit of using people who think they're not qualified. Absolutely.